Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 141 of the podcast. It's the 12th of September, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I speak with Alec Trossett. I first met Alec and his family when he was maybe 12 or 13 at an unschooling conference. I've enjoyed little glimpses into his life over the years through social media, and I was so happy when he agreed to come on the podcast to chat about his experience growing up unschooling. We talk about his interests and passions, his experience with unschooling camps, his choice to go to college and how that's unfolded, how his passion for math developed, and lots more. As a personal update this week, I'm recording this intro the day before the podcast goes out, so right now, Michael's flight home is in the air, an almost nine-hour flight. (laughs) I'm excited to pick him up at the airport tonight and start to hear some of the stories. I'm sure they'll be showing up in conversations over the next weeks and months and even years, like beautiful little sparkles of memories and insights. It's not so much about the facts of things that happened, though that is definitely fun too, but about what those things end up meaning to him in the bigger picture. And that takes time to weave together. So here's to future sparkles. (laughs) As a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon and a big welcome to new patrons, Tracy Emby and Fiona Monday. Thank you for joining us. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. And this week, I sent out the new desktop wallpaper image for September. There's a collection of five of them now. If you'd like to support my unschooling work, like this podcast and my website, and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Alec. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Alex Trossett. Hi Alec. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> very good, very good. Um, just so everyone knows, I met Alec and his family years ago for the first time at an unschooling conference and I really enjoyed catching glimpses of his comings and goings online ever since, well ever since Facebook came around. <laughs> I'm really excited that he said yes when I asked if he'd be up for sharing a bit about his experience growing up unschooling. So to get us started, Alec, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Absolutely. So uh, I'm the oldest of three kids. I'm 25 years old now. I have two younger sisters, Abby and Kira. Abby is 23 now, about to be 24. Kira just turned 21 this year. And uh, my parents are Kelly and Tim Trossett, and uh, they've 
Uh, my mom's been in and out of the unschooling community um, and was a, was a big name on many forums and groups a long time ago. So, um, you know, a lot of people have heard of her, but she's been less involved online in the last probably five, six, seven years. But yeah, you guys got uh, older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as we got older. But, uh, um, and then my, uh, my father works as a pharmaceutical sales representative for uh, Eli Lilly and Company. And uh, we all live in Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, me and my sister, Abby, go to UVA here in Charlottesville together. And my sister, Kira, is working as a freelance photographer slash uh, artist slash et cetera. So, <laughs> slash et cetera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, odd jobs, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So what do you remember about uh, your family's move to unschooling? How old were you at the time? So I was, um, let's see, what is the like second grade, third grade age? Ah. Is that like nine or 10 years old, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in first grade um, and second grade, my mom noticed that I started not really being engaged with school, not really feeling engaged with life, not really wanting to get up for school. It wasn't something I was excited for um, after, after kindergarten, after going into first grade. And after a year of that in second grade, she decided that she wanted to try something different. Um, so we started off with homeschooling. Um, you know, we, we had set things we were supposed to do throughout the day, uh, journaling that we were supposed to do and topics we were supposed to select and learn about. And I went back to third grade for a little while. Um, and then um, in third grade, I decided that, no, I want to go back to homeschooling. On, on my own accord. And I asked her, you know, can I just stop going to school? And she said, yeah, that's fine. And Abby stuck it out through, she was in second grade at the time. She stuck it out to the end, but then she uh, joined me homeschooling. And then our, our transition to unschooling was very gradual. It was kind of like the, uh, kind of the restrictions on us and the requirements imposed on us were just kind of relaxed kind of organically over time. And it didn't really feel like it was just like, Oh, now we're unschooling. Yeah. It was more like, over over you know a long period of time, maybe a couple of years, we started morphing into unschooling, and specifically having more freedom, not having any set curriculum, and um, really being able to make our own decisions about what we were doing and what we were learning, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, I love the way you describe that as just kind of evolving organically. So I guess you know, as a family, now you're living together. Now you're. You, you know, she gets to see you guys learning all the time, um, no matter what you're doing as com- and comparing that with, you know, the, the journaling and, and just seeing the interest and the engagement in it. And, and, you know, over time, seeing um, how you're learning through all sorts of different things. And then you guys also, I think, feeling um, more agency over your choices as, as you were given that more, that, that bit of freedom. Does that kind of make yep. sense how it developed no, absolutely. organically? Yeah. So, and that's, well, that's one of the, the biggest things that I, I value from unschooling is that I had control over, you know, what I was doing, what I was learning. And really that's how I was able to learn so much about myself. And, and eventually now, you know, knowing what I like, what I don't like, what I want to do, how to, how to hand, you know, control or how, even how to like take care of myself. You know, I learned how to do that on my own as far as eating well and, and sleeping enough and, and things like that. Uh, I was able to learn on my own without you know, 
kind of enforced on me. So Yeah, and then you pick up what works for you too, right, along the way. I love that because I think that's one of – you know, because once you get first over that first hurdle of realizing, you know, that they're learning and they can learn all the time, whatever they want, you know, once you get past that learning hurdle, I think one of the biggest um, positive outcomes, I guess, from it is that level of self-awareness that, that everybody can figure out how they tick because it is so individual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, uh, and I know we're not to the, the college discussion yet, but I can, I can certainly talk. I've, I see in other college students when I started out, you know, oh, so. Well, yeah, well, definitely uh, remember to roll back to that. <laughs> you know, kind of some of the, yeah. Some of the story. The lack of aging and what that does, right? So. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. But, Okay, just before we get over, get up to that, um, can you share maybe a little bit about what your interests were growing up and how you pursued them? So I was always focused on basically one thing at a time. Um, and when we started unschooling, for me, that was gaming. Um, so I grew up gaming a lot. And as soon as I had the freedom to, I did it a lot. And a lot of people look at that and they say, wow, I can't believe, you know, your childhood was spent mostly gaming. and." Um, Aside from that, I also loved to play the drums, loved music, but but gaming really was the main big interest for me, and um, I think the main reason is it provided a, a challenge for me. I, I sought out games that challenged me, that made me think, and um, basically puzzles to solve, right? And, um, you know, that kind of ties into my eventual interest in math, but... Um, I was turned off from math at a very young age because I was forced to learn it in this way. And, you know, it did not happen naturally. And it was this artificial construct that, you know, is being shoved in my face that, you know, it works this way. Cause I tell you it works this way. And it, I wasn't viewing it as a puzzle, but, but video games at the time, they were puzzles, you know, challenges, things, things for me to accomplish things to uh, challenge me mentally. I, w- I was never the type to get into sports. I never enjoyed challenging myself physically. That's not, even when I'm drumming, I'm just like, you know, I wish I could play faster. That's like the limitation. I don't yeah. want to put in the physical work to, to play faster because I, I like challenging my head with the more technical aspects of it. But, um, so I, I loved being challenged mentally, challenged through, you know, basically anything. So, so video games were the best, the best way for me to do that book, reading books. That was too passive for me. Um, watching television, which, you know, I enjoyed, I I didn't do it as much because again, it didn't engage me. I wasn't the one making the decisions. I wasn't the one solving the problems. And so, you know, that was a very, very formative thing for me, even though video games get a very, very bad rap in, in a lot of circles. I think that's improving. I think people are seeing that really it's just a book that, has a higher level of interaction and, and, uh, and challenge at times, but. Yeah, I think, you know, that would be a great thing, you know, that you mentioned to speak to a little bit is cause that's what I saw with, uh, my eldest son too. Cause I remember having video games discussions with your mom many years ago. <laughs> well, he, yeah, I remember I played some video games with him briefly when we, when we saw each other. Oh yeah, ago. that's right too. That's right too. But Halo that is the, <laughs> Yeah, that's the joy, right? But it's the, there's so much analytical thinking, like as you talked about puzzles and the the mental challenge of figuring it out, of figuring things out, whether it's, 
you know, even math arithmetic on the fly, right? Figuring out levels and, and hit points and all that kind of stuff. But the actual analytical thinking that goes into it just to figure out the puzzle, even if it's not a literal puzzle in the game, the puzzle of how to go through from one place to the next, et cetera, and go from level to level, um, that's, there's really so much learning in there, isn't there? Yep, and that's, that's something that is lost on, on a lot of critics of video games, I think. And, uh, you know, when, when I say, oh, yeah, I grew up playing lots of video games, people are like, oh, that's, well, that's what unschooling is. Huh? You should play video games. It's like, but it's not just playing video games. That's one of the things we talk about so much is, um, or we suggest is try playing yourself. Exactly. A little. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> unless you're playing, and let me tell you, my, my dad does that. My dad plays, plays games. He, play, he likes a game called Snood which is where you're shooting little things up and making things match. It's like one of those, almost like a bejeweled type of thing. Ah. And like, I can't play those. I can't play games like that because they are kind of just mindless relaxation. Yeah. And he admits it, you know, and it's cool. It's cool to have a mindless outlet like that. But like, if, if I had been doing games like that all day when I was growing up, I would have been bored out of my mind. So. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have chosen that. That's the whole idea, exactly. right? between being free to, to choose what you're doing. Like people think, oh, if the kids are free to choose, they're just going to choose mindless activities. They won't challenge themselves. They won't choose things that, you know, um, take their mind to the edge of their processing capabilities, push them further, even if it's, if it's a physical, you know, interest that they have, same deal. Why would they bother? But that's something, we think that's human, but really that's something we learned growing up on our own and unschooling kids don't learn that. Right. 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 Exactly. It's a, where they move past. That's it. a, that's an attitude that's yeah. developed from being forced to do challenging activities that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, the difference is, are you challenging yourself with things you are enjoying versus challenging your thing, challenging yourself with things that have been assigned to you? Well, that's that's another great point because, you know, um, an, another question to ask newer unschoolers is, you know, what do you do for a hobby? Because we always devalue our hobbies, but boy, will we stay engaged with them, right? And we'll put more effort. And, and yet we feel guilty. We've been, you know, taught to feel guilty about putting time into those because they're not, you know, real. They're just what we do on the side, but it can really open somebody's eyes to seeing how people will willingly challenge themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I wanted to ask this question too. Um, Cause we've mentioned that we've crossed paths at unschooling conferences and you guys came for a visit. Um, and when we first connected about uh, doing this call, you were at an unschooler summer camp and I was hoping you could share a bit about your conference and camp experiences um, so that, you know, some parents who are curious about that uh, can learn a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first unschooling kind of function was uh, Live and Learn, the the second ever Live and Learn, which was, my goodness, I don't even know what year now. That's the first one we went to, too. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So maybe you know which year it was then? Oh, three, four. I think it was 2005, four okay. or five. <laughs> yeah, that, sounds, that sounds right. Because we went to 
because it ended in 2009. Was that the yeah, last one? Yeah, we went to the last one too, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, my, my entire family went to uh, live and learn for the, the, the second one up, up to the last one. And for me, that was kind of my, my yearly interactions with other unschoolers. Cause I lived in, I, I was living in Minnesota with my family and we, we knew maybe one or two other families that kind of approached, you know, were kind of doing something like us, but still not quite kind of thing. So, um, to really be in my element with other, other people who li- were living the same life as me, live and learn was where that happened. Um, so, and it, and it basically just turned into a, it would be a long weekend where I got to see, you know, some of my best friends and just, you know, play games with them and you know, run around a hotel that we all, well, yeah, that was, that was not so good. At t- the, the hotel staff certainly hated those groups. Um, but for the most part, keeping it, you know, uh, keeping it civil, but, uh, so playing games, meeting new people. That's, that's where I made all of my unschooling connections that I still have today with, um, yeah, all sorts of families, the, the Bowmans who run, uh, ETUSC, which I'll talk about in a second, the, the summer mm-hmm. camp, um, you know, the, the Lovejoys who ran live and learn, um, and, and so many other families, the, the creams up in Boston are, are super close friends with my family because of live and learn and uh, we still see them sometimes and and so on and so forth um for for my parents these conferences were important as well because they got to go and and see other people doing this new weird thing that that they weren't entirely sold on yet and seeing them you know thriving seeing these other people thriving as unschoolers and going to the talks that and the the speeches that were being run by you know unschooling parents, occasionally unschooled adults. Unschooled adults were were pretty rare back then mm-hmm. because it was such a new movement. Still, right? Almost all we were all the guinea we were the guinea pig unschooling <laughs> generation, of course. But um, so that was extremely beneficial to them, being able to hear from other parents. You know, it set their minds at ease. Um, just hearing all these different experiences. And, um, and then also there's just, you know, what they, what they call fun shops, right? Their workshops were just a blast. So, you know, our, our whole family enjoyed them every single time. And there was something for everybody. If I wanted to hang out in a room and play games with a friend, or if I wanted to go and learn how to, I don't know, hula hoop or whatever, you know, they had, they had more serious ones too, but you know, the fun (laughs) shops. Um, not that hula hooping is not serious. My, my, my youngest sister is a very serious hula hooper, excellent hula hooper. So, um, so that's my, that's my conference experience. I also went to, uh, Cameron's, uh, Kelly Lovejoy's sons, his, uh, autodidactic symposium, uh, that ran one or two years. I went to that once, which was a very, very similar kind of thing to live and learn. I also went to uh, life is good once out in Oregon. Oh yeah. Um, or, no, it was in Vancouver, Washington last time, or the, the time I went, I think, run by, uh, that's Mary Gold. And I, that is still running, I believe. So that's one of the options. Yeah. Um, but when I was there, that was a very similar experience to live and learn. So a good way to hear from other people, live, you know, living as unschoolers, meet them and make connections with them. And then uh, the summer camps, um, 
that's something less for, you know, a family. Conferences really appeal to entire families, of course. Um, the summer camps are just for the, the unschooled children, the, the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I've been going, the only one I've been to and that I've been going to is at ETUSC, East, East Tennessee Unschooled Summer Camp. Um, it started eight years ago. So this year was our ninth ETUSC. Yeah. And um, so... And it's run by Laura Bowman, who I've been friends with for a long time. I went to the first one as a camper, and that was that was interesting. It was kind of a startup. So basically, every parent who knew Laura sent their kids to the first year of the camp because that those are the people she was connected with, and those are the people she was able to sell the camp to. So, kind of by proxy, I knew all of those people through Laura. So it was just the first year was just go and hang out with thirty people that you already knew and have a fun week. And, yeah. and it was great. But what eTusk has become is even more amazing because then the next year the word got out. And now when I go, I meet all these new unschoolers, you know, ages from as young as 12, all the way up to 18, sometimes 19, all at this camp. And, you know, you just are amazed by how many people are, are unschooling that, you know, you don't even know them because it used to be like, Oh, you're an unschooler. Well, then you clearly know this other unschooler, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like that stereotype when like, uh, oh, you're, you're Filipino. I know another Filipino person. You know them, don't you? It's like, no. So it's becoming that, you know, we, we actually, we're like, we're not just like this weird tiny group. We're actually a true, a true minority in the, the education system. So, you know, there's all these, all these people that show up every year that I've never met. And, and that's really, really great to see. Um, and aside from just the people who are there, what we do is really fun. Um, we have workshops throughout the week led by staff. We have various activities meant to um, help campers bond with each other. Um, you know, rock climbing or yeah, rock wall climbing, uh, outdoor ropes courses. We've got a couple pool days. There's, a, there's, of course, a dance. There's, you know, a talent show for people to go up and, and show off what they're able to do you know, a skit night for all the campy skits and, uh, um, and also, uh, mentor groups is a big thing that they stress at eTusk. And that's, that's what I've been doing for seven years now. I've been a mentor at eTusk, which, um, every morning I, I have a group of kids I'm responsible for and we meet and the goal is to, um, help new campers, new people who haven't met somebody yet connect immediately with another group and it gives them an opportunity to um, meet other campers without having to kind of take that step themselves mm-hmm. because, you know, and I don't know how many younger folks, I guess it might be mostly parents listening um, in for uh, a podcast like this, but um, so I, yeah, I shouldn't talk. I was, I was thinking like, who's my audience right now? <laughs> but so, so, you know, your, your kids, if they, if they go to a place like this, even if they don't know a single person yet, they are going to make connections within that first couple of days because you, you can't avoid making connections. And once you've made a couple connections, um, it becomes so much less intimidating. And, um, you know, a place like that for somebody who isn't used to big groups is really intimidating. So it's, it's, a, it's a place that makes, you know, every single person there feel welcome, no matter who they are, no matter, you know, their, their gender identity, orientation, et cetera, that, you know, um, and they're able to connect with other campers and do awesome things throughout the week. And, and as a mentor, I get to help 
facilitate that and I get to help um, encourage that and, you know, watch them grow. And, you know, I've always got a few campers at the start of the week who are kind of attached to me like glue because, you know, I'm the one connection they have. I'm the one person they know. And usually by day three, two or three, I just never see them ever again (laughs) because they've got their, their people that they like hanging out with. And, you know, seeing that each year is, is, is really, really fun. And, uh, and yeah, that's a, that's pretty much what I have to say about, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, that sounds like such, it sounds like it's such a fun experience for you, you know, oh, it's, to I focus love it, on, yeah. yeah, to focus on facilitating that for people and how wonderful too. like, as you said, um, you know, we're still, unschoolers are still a pretty small group <laughs> and yes. to be yeah. able to bring together, you know, for just for other teens to see other kids, you know, that, that are living the same kind of lifestyle in general that they're used to. So they're not so much the odd person out now, you know what I mean? To, to see, it sounds really inspiring and lovely for them as well. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's one, there's one other well-known camp as well, which is uh, not back to school camp, which is that one's in uh, Vermont and then Oregon, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but uh, those are the only two, unschooler only camps and I say only we have had kids come who are in school in the past um mostly because they have connections to the unschooling community but um those are the only two I know of that are marketed for unschoolers so it's you know there's not a whole lot of options so that's that's why we've got people coming in from let's see uh we had people flying in from New York and from from California and from Florida and, you know, me driving from Virginia all, all to this place in Tennessee to, to meet up and yeah, have a good week. Yeah. So. Oh no, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I mean, that's why I was, we are, we're in Canada, you know, driving down to the States for live and learns yeah. and, and, you know, all sorts of other conferences and camps and stuff over the years, because, you know, um, it's, it's nice to connect face to face with your tribe for a while. And like you said, you know, my kids stayed in touch. They, they still have friends that they met there and you can stay in touch. It's so much easier online now. I remember uh, after Live and Learns, it was like email, right? <laughs> People were sending emails back and forth. Um, but hey, now- AOL instant messenger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I, I age myself like 10 years when I say that. I know, I know, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, you know, and it all depends on the person, the child too, the teen, you know, what they're interested in. They may not be interested in it, but if you think um, they may find it helpful to connect with other unschooling teens, just to see the kinds of the fabulously wide ranging things that they're up to, the things that they're interested in, the talents that they have, you know, and just hanging out together. It can be, it can be a life changing experience, I think. Yeah. So thanks yeah, for having I, me. Yeah, of course. And you know, I don't believe any, any kids should be forced to go to a summer no. camp, of course, but I have, I have witnessed kids who were forced to go to eTusk and they, they still came out of it as a, you know, fantastic week. So that was promising. Although sad that they were forced in the first place. In the first place. Yeah. 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 And then uh, one, one other gathering I wanted to mention is uh, ARG. Have you ever. I've heard of it. 
Okay. So ARG is another one run by, by uh, Laura Bowman, um, who runs eTask. And that one's another family-oriented one, except it's a little bit more casual than, than conferences. So it's like if you took uh, unschooling conferences and kind of mixed it with eTask. So you kind of get the, the families together going to an event, but also you're, you're camping, essentially. It's, uh, except this one's in cabins. So you get a nice cabin entirely to your family. So for the people who enjoy just a nice, relaxing vacation in a cabin and they don't want to talk to anybody for a few days, you know, it, it gives them that. But then also there's a communal area for people to go and hang out with other unschoolers. And uh, that one appeals to families with much younger kids. So there's always, yeah. you know, Nerf Wars going on with three, four, five, six-year-old kids running around like crazy. And, um, and also adults, of course, get to spend a lot of time and get to know each other. So that's kind of the, to, to appeal to the other age ranges as well. <laughs> oh, that's so. very cool. Yeah. It's a, so it's like a campground family kind of gathering thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where you rent, you just rent the, the yeah. cabin for the time, but then there are but still, you know, there'll be other unschooling families there along exactly, with exactly at the yeah. same time. And there are also scheduled workshops Oh, and okay. um, just like a conference, the the thing yeah. it doesn't have that a conference has are the are the speeches and the talks and the the like. Here's why you know you should feel okay about this, you know, <laughs> schooling and stuff like that. So it's you know maybe less of a thing to go to as a brand new unschooler and more for just the social aspect and the, the vacationing with other unschoolers. Aspect. Yeah. And the, I mean the connections you can make and I'm sure the conversations you can, you still have oh, yeah. with other. Unschoolers. Yeah. And those conversations still happen. They're yeah. just not like, they're not organized not and they're formal. not catering specifically to like, come here if you have no idea what unschooling is and yeah. need to learn. So they're not, they're not catering to that, but, but it, that certainly happens still. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. So now I thought we'd move on to your uh, college years. <laughs> and uh, do you want to talk a lot about that? A lot about this, yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe start us off with um, the choice to go to college and how that developed. I'm sorry, you, you hung up a little oh, bit. Oh, sorry. How about let's start with uh, your choice to go to college and how that developed for you. Okay. So I started college when I was 22, which is, you know, later than traditional. Um, but at, at 18, I knew that I wasn't ready to start college because I didn't know, I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do or what I would go into. So um, from 18 to 22, that four-year gap, I worked several different jobs um, just to get some experience. Um, you know, I worked pizza delivery. I worked at a grocery store for a little while, kind of typical entry level stuff. And then I, I got a better job with a, with a moving company for a while that I, I did for about a year. Um, and for a while I was thinking, Oh, you know, maybe I can, it was a very small local company in Charlottesville with a, with a great kind of idea behind the, the, the company, the, what they were trying to do was declutter and help like people who have way too much stuff, get rid of stuff. And it, it was a service that, you know, was really good and not really, um, not really offered by any other companies. So I thought for a while, you know, maybe I can stay here and work my way up into management positions or something like that and eventually, you know, make this into a living kind of thing. Um, but ended up changing my mind pretty quickly because the, the 
the owner was a terrible person to all of the employees. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I had been working for close to four years and um, I decided, you know, I think I would like to try something in engineering. I'd like to um, pursue it and see what happens. So for that, you of course need to go to college. You, you don't have engineers without at least a bachelor's degree typically. Yeah. So I decided, okay, well, let's, let's look into that. So the, the first thing I found when I did the research and from talking to a local, we, we have another unschooling family here in Charlottesville, the, the Barrett, Sylvia, and Eddie. Um, I spoke with Eddie and he, he told me, you know, UVA is a fantastic school, obviously right here in Charlottesville. It's a, it's a top, it's uh, the second best public uh, college in the nation. And so you might not be able to start there, and I couldn't because I had no academic credentials from the previous 10 years, right? I didn't have any test scores. I wasn't ready to just go and take the ACT, et cetera. I didn't have the knowledge that I was expected to have at that moment. So I couldn't apply. I was in no place to apply to UVA, but he told me, hey, we have this PBCC, Piedmont Virginia Community College, and they have connections to UVA. And if you go and do two years there and do well, it's very easy to transfer into UVA. So looking into PBCC, they, community colleges have an open door policy, typically. You don't take any tests to get in. Rather, you, you get in automatically and you take a test to figure out where you start, you know, a, a placement test. Mm-hmm. And so that's the next thing I started researching is, okay, what's going on with this placement test? And there's an English portion to it, and there's a math portion to it. Um, the English portion, I was confident I'd have no problem with. I had spent the last 10 years communicating online with other people every day. You know, I, I played a lot of online games as well, and uh, that was a big part of it. Um, so the math, though, that was a concern. You know, as I said, I was, I'd been turned off from math at a younger age, and so I hadn't really looked at it since the third grade, pretty much. <laughs> I'd done, done plenty of arithmetic, you know, plenty of, arith- of arithmetic in, yeah. in everyday life. And I was actually really good at it, too. I was able to find, since, uh, since I had learned how to do it kind of on my own, just mm-hmm. by what makes sense and what was logical, I was able to kind of develop little shortcuts and techniques to make more complicated computations easier in my head. Um. So, you know, that right there is kind of hinting at kind of how my, my passion for math ended up developing. But um, anyways, um, I didn't have any algebra experience at all. Not even, like, you, 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 I couldn't even solve a linear algebra one equation type of thing, just because I'd never done it. So um, I knew that if I went and just took the placement test as is, I would start in the, the developmental math, which... That's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to, I wanted to test out of the developmental math I could. Um, so I went on, there, there's an online resource called Khan Academy, mm-hmm. which maybe has come up before for you, I'm guessing. So very, very popular amongst unschoolers. Yeah. Um, but they have videos and exercises for everything from um, first grade math all the way up through differential equations, which is a typically a third year college course. Um, so I got on there and I just started doing things and I, I committed about four hours a day for about two months. And then 
thanks to that, I was able to test out of all the developmental math and start in um, pre-calculus. So, um, and, and that was my first, so, so at that point I had tested in pre-calculus and decided, okay, um, time to enroll in classes. So, you know, it was, it was kind of late in the game. So I enrolled, uh, I enrolled uh, less than a month before classes actually started, which was great because community colleges are very flexible about that. Like mm-hmm. up to classes starting, you can still enroll as a new student. So even though I decided kind of late in the summer to go, I was still able to, um, and so I had this really wonky schedule because I had to kind of fit all the classes together that um, were still available, which were a lot of evening classes and, you know, weird times that people don't really like usually. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so I signed up for that pre-calculus class, you know, an English class. Um, they're, they're mandatory, like orientation type thing and a, and a PE class. So I decided, you know, I'll take it easy. I'll just take the, the 12 credits, minimum full-time load. Um, and, you know, see what happens. And, uh, everything ended up being pretty easy overall. So, um, pre pre calculus was very intimidating at first, but once I got through the first test and saw I was doing all right, that, that was a huge boost to confidence. I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, Oh, I haven't done math in mm-hmm. this long, you know, I've got something to prove. And, you know, the, the pressure felt you know, it was, it was self-inflicted pressure, but also kind of societal pressure of sorts. But once I got over that first hump, passed the first test, it was smooth sailing from there. And I found myself, I had so much free time on my hands, it was kind of silly. Um, so I, I upped my load the next semester, um, took a few more credits and got a job as a teaching assistant for pre-calculus. After I took pre-calculus, started leading um, supplementary in- instruction sessions for the class where I would have a classroom rented out for a certain amount of time and people could come and ask me questions and do things with and, and work some math with me. And um, also around that time is when I took my first engineering class. So I didn't get to take my first engineering class until the spring. Yeah. And that was, that was what I originally was like, okay, I want to go to school for engineering. Um, so here I am. I'm, I can finally take an engineering class. And I really didn't like it very much. It was, yeah, I was like, oh, crap, what happened to my plan? I'm not going to be an engineer. Shoot. So, um, but, you know, one of the things that's, so, so one of the things that stood out in me, to me is the professor showed us how much writing each major does on average. I think it was at, it was at a large university in Texas that they got the numbers, but, um, engineers do the most writing of any major in college. And, and I was like, you know, writing papers, that's not really, it's not really my, you know, I, it never really was my thing. So my sister, she's a linguistic student. She loves writing and she gets to write all the time. And that's great. But that's, (laughs) that's not really for me. And I, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into at first with engineering. So, um, but yeah, it has a lot of writing more than any other major. But what I noticed on the bottom of that list was, hey, math has the least writing. And, you know, the fewer the fewest pages per year written. Um, and on top of that, the class that I was consistently looking forward to every week was my math class. So, you know, the previous semester, I, I had a really, like uh, my, my first semester, I had a very, very influential and inspirational uh, math instructor who, yeah, I, you know, he, he talks about, oh, yeah, I was Alex first math instructor ever in his life. Cause you know, and I, I told, I told him that eventually and talked to him about that. 
So, you know, he, it was a very, very formative experience for me. And he, he was able to teach math at, not as, you know, this formulaic mm-hmm. um, procedural thing where you, you learn an algorithm and you follow the algorithm and you get your answer, but rather as, you know, a puzzle, as something where you need to figure out how it works in order to solve a problem. Not You don't learn how to solve a problem. You learn how it works, and then you know how to solve the problem. Yeah. So, you know, that in combination with um, my somewhat bad experience in intro to engineering, basically I just don't like, I don't like measuring things and having imprecise measurements, et cetera. Um, I decided, you know, maybe I can just do math because that's what I'm enjoying. I should, I should listen to that. And that was something, you know, I pondered it for a couple months before I really made the leap because – I mean, engineers, they make, they make pretty good money. And, um, but, you know, I went and talked to my advisor and their PVCC did not have a math major, but I was able to switch to basically just a liberal arts major. And um, I decided to, instead of trying to complete the associate's degree at Piedmont, I decided, okay, I'm just going to target the classes that UVA needs and then try to get into UVA without my associate's degree. So, so as of right now, I still don't have an associate's degree. Um, um, and I'm going, I'm in my fourth year now at UVA. Um, well, second year at UVA, fourth year of college, but, um, let's see. So, and yeah, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the major transitions for me. Um, and then there was a pretty big transition from Piedmont to UVA, but that honestly was very routine for me. Um, it was just, I'm just doing more of the same. It's just at a different location now. So the, the biggest transitions were definitely starting college, getting my math caught up, which I want to stress anybody can do. Like if you go to high school and you learn all the math and then you decide to take a five-year break, if you don't, didn't do any math in that five years, you, you would start in developmental math just as I was going to had I not done any. You know, it's something I see all the time now as a tutor of two years. Um, and also um, – if no matter what situation you're in, you can go and you can catch up. Like there's no, there's no reason you can't learn what was taught in high school faster and more efficiently for yourself. Cause you can cater to your own learning style. You can cater to, you know, your schedule and you're also catering to your own interests. You're doing it because you have a goal you want to accomplish. You can do it so much more efficiently and you're going to retain it better than somebody who's learning it because they're told they have to learn it. So yeah. yeah, those are yeah, those are the big factors for me that allowed me to learn math, quick, get caught up, start college, and then eventually transition into a math major instead because I engineering was just not for me in the end. I I love the story. Thanks so much for sharing it, Alec. And that that piece that you're emphasizing there, I think that's a that's a huge piece for um, unschooling parents, especially people that are coming new to unschooling, is to realize. Um, you know, because they're always, oh, is my, my child going to be behind, going to be behind. But when you're looking at learning things when you're interested, and like you talked about how much um, easier and more effective that learning is when it's something that you're interested in, it's not like you were growing up, you know, sitting in a corner, not learning anything. You were learning so many things. So it's not like you were behind. It was just a different set of things you were choosing to learn at the time that eventually you know, fit because our interests are connections, you know, just new things that we're discovering along the way. But like you even talked about how you had been picking up little bits of earth, 
mythic tricks that you were doing for yourself along the way, you know, when you look back, it's always when you look back, right? You can see the threads of how that interest just weaves through your lives. It's not like somebody is, is likely to take a 90 degree turn completely. You know what I mean? In that it's something completely new and, and unknown to them. So everything that they're doing when kids are learning stuff that they're interested in is very likely to feed into whatever new paths they they pick up later on, right? So it's not like you lost any time. It, this whole definition of, you know, head behind, yeah. et cetera, is really artificial, right? It's just yeah. kind of created from that school curriculum. And like you said, you can when you um, have an interest and want to pick something up, you can pick up that chunk of learning at any age, at any time you need, right? Yep. Well, and also, I mean, just the notion of somebody being behind doesn't really make sense because, you know, you, you talk to most adults. I know my parents um, have forgotten most of the math they learned in school. Are they behind? I know, right? Well, I don't, you know, think, I don't think they're behind. They're you know, that, that is something that helped me when I first started learning about unschooling was looking back at my career, right? Okay, because I, I am an engineer, mm-hmm. <laughs> was an engineer. What type of engineer? Uh, nuclear. <laughs> okay, cool. Sweet. In the end, well, see, when I went from high school, I thought biomedical engineering. Uh-huh. Right. So that's, that's, but that's how things change. And then once I got out and I was working in engineering, I ended up always working in co- the computer side and in the reporting side, which when I look back, that's my thread, my systems thread, my love of those kinds of questions of processes. So I was working with, you know, maintenance engineering groups and, and, you know, helping them figure out their work process, et cetera, et cetera. So you're more like a systems engineer then, right? Yes, or, yes, basically. Yeah. My girlfriend's my girlfriend's dad is a systems engineer over at, at UVA where we go to school. So I uh, I talk to him a lot about all the the stuff that he loves and his theory and, and stuff and that. So it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And it, but that was the point, you know. I knew all the math and all the physics and everything that I learned in university. And then was actually, you know, working as an engineer and I knew how much I forgot, you know, that, that I really had no need for. Um, and so that was something that was really helpful for me to realize that, oh, you know, the stuff I remember and, and learn and I'm good at is the stuff that I was interested in, the stuff that I needed to use every day. So even that was such a helpful way to um, start understanding why it was okay that unschooling focused more on interests rather than curriculum. Because I saw the curriculum stuff that I wasn't interested in basically, you know, falling out of my brain as it was. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was forced to take, uh, I had to take a German intensive over this summer and I, I took two years of German in eight weeks and it's already falling out of my head because why did I take it? I took it for an education requirement, not because I had to learn German, not because I wanted to learn German, which, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, life has enough hoops already, if, if, especially if you choose to go to college. So, you know, why do we have to impose, impose more hoops on children before they get to that point? Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's a great point too. So do you want to, 
take a couple minutes to speak to what we were talking about before, your transition to college and your experience um, with the other college students and the difference um, uh, yes, between yes. the levels of self-awareness and mm-hmm. agency and that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So this, this problem exists less at UVA just because to get into UVA, you have to be a very, very driven person already. Um, they have a very low acceptance rate. So I haven't really seen this at UVA because, you know, the, the people who don't really know if they want to be there typically aren't going to be there. Mm-hmm. But, but at PVCC, um, a lot of the students are there because the, their parents say you have to do college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's the next thing you do. I'm going to pay for it. Here you go. And they are kind of aimless while they're there. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be in classes with them and they don't, they aren't entirely present. They aren't entirely engaged. Um, they are thinking about something else. They want to be somewhere else and, um, they can struggle because they don't, they don't have something to, they don't have a, they don't have kind of an intrinsic, intrinsic reason to be there. They, they aren't self-driven. Um, and that's one of the biggest differences. And this wasn't everybody, of course, but that was the biggest differences or the biggest difference I noticed between people who were really successful at Piedmont and people who were maybe struggling and not doing as well. So, yeah, it, it, it makes such a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, even to be able to, like you were talking about this German, right? You have a bigger goal, right? So that yeah, was, so a- yeah, I, I did very well while I was in German. I was, yeah, I was speaking it and everything. And, <laughs> but as soon as the goal disappeared, I mean, well, that's a separate topic entirely, but yeah, the, as, soon as, the goal, as soon as the goal disappeared, the German started falling out of my, my head. Yeah, so. so imagine how hard it is for them, you know, like you, you're forced to go. When you look at it from their perspective, they have to go, you know, and most often, you know, I even here I've heard, because, you know, my kids are, are older now too, like you guys, you hear of, of um, their friends whose parents have said, you have to go to college, I don't care what degree you get whatever, but you doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> a degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and how hard it is for them to stay engaged, to be interested, to want yeah. to show up day after day. It's just, it's, it's a rough experience for them. Cause I, yeah, I already disagree with a lot of the hoops that college sets for you. For example, I think, general education requirements are oftentimes too restrictive. I had to take courses that I was literally falling asleep in because I just had no interest in being there, even though my end goal was something I was interested in. So like, that's a problem already. Mm -hmm. So if you're being forced to jump through those hoops and, you know, and you don't have that goal. You don't care where you're going. Yeah. You don't care where you're going and you're having these hoops imposed on you. Yeah. And you're not enjoying the classes. Like that's too much. You're, there's yeah. a reason and your parents are still judging you on how well you do there. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's hard. Yeah. Um, anyway, how about, I'd like to hear a little bit about what your plans are now for the next year or two. You're at UVA? Yeah. yeah so, you, I, so a year ago, I transferred to UVA. Um, I've had my first year there. It went really well. And um, this coming year, after this coming year, I'll, I'll graduate with my bachelor's in pure math. And then my hope is to continue grad school at UVA. Um, I'd like to stay in the area and work on a doctorate here in math. Um, So this semester I am working on GREs. I'm taking the GRE for math, general GRE, 
um, preparing for those, and then also doing a research project, hopefully in um, hyperbolic geometry with one of the professors at UVA to kind of build up a, a research. So I need, I need some more research on my resume to really be extremely competitive for grad school. But if I can do that, I think I'll have a pretty good chance of getting in at UVA in their, in their doctoral program for math. And then honestly, that'll be my life for the next four or five years. So, but after that, I'll piggyback off of that. Um, I hope to teach math ultimately at the, at the university level is what I'd like to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. And is that, is that one of your, uh, the geometry what, hyperbolic, the hyperbolic geometry, geometry. Mm-hmm. that that's uh one of your favorite areas of math i don't know yet you so know it's yet. not you something i've studied yet yeah ah. which is part of why yeah so the research project will likely be in an area that i don't have much experience in ah. so my, yeah, my experience so far is mostly in um kind of the typical analysis Mm-hmm. algebra and uh, you know I've taken I've taken my first courses in real analysis and abstract algebra and uh, this semester I'm taking um, advanced linear uh, another course in analysis topology differential geometry so I'm, I'm starting to finally get into the the um, the more advanced fields of math that, that I could eventually choose one and specialize in it for a doctoral program so so yeah, yeah so it's an exploring the more funky areas now, right? Yeah, oh yeah, it's getting yeah, it's getting weird. It gets weird very quickly. Yeah, yeah. If, if you, yeah I don't know how much you remember from. I don't know if you took any proof based math, but it, it can get very weird in some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I won't get into that. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. Yeah, I'm not here to. With me, yeah, no, no. I was trying to think what was my my favorite areas, but anyway. Um, one calculus? pardon, maybe uh, calculus. Calculus. You calculus. Well, well, I mean, calculus was a very interesting one because diving into that first year that that was like one of the courses that was you know because I went to a school where you, they had engineering in the first year. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you, you did do engineering, and that was kind of the, the dividing class. You know, if you could get through calculus, <laughs> then it was a general first-year engineering, and then you yeah. specialized after. So then I, I did engineering physics after. But, yeah, getting through that first calculus course. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I like math. Okay. I love math. So I was fine with engineering because they're like, oh, but if you take engineering physics, you have to keep taking math. And I'm like, well, that's okay. That's fun. But as I look back, I realize, you know, I didn't have any. We, our math professors, were engineering professors. Mm-hmm. So yep. they yeah, were, applied math. Yeah, they were okay. all about here's the formula, pick the right formula, and, and do it. They just, yeah, the formulas just got funkier. <laughs> and as you probably know, if you, if you had any pure math friends, you know, that is so, it goes against what we, what we do. <laughs> yes, I would have, I would have enjoyed that. The, the funkier, the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, and, and calculus is something I've been able to become so, so acquainted with because of my tutoring as well as I've spent the last two years tutoring part-time and and that's the thing I tutor the most is calculus mm-hmm. and so you know that's been really fun because and that's also part of what's 
uh, helping me see that teaching is what I'd really like to do. That's very cool. Yeah, because when you can when you can actually you know sit and and chat and about the problem, right? It's it's not all about let's get the right answer. When you can actually, because so often it's like I'm doing this, but what does this actually look like in the real world? Yep. Right, right, yep. and. And as you're plowing through an engineering degree and all those courses, it, it was not about the, the real world per se. You know, it was, it was all just, here's your analysis, here's your situation, plug your numbers in and, and that's it. Ah, but anyway, no, no more complaining about that. <laughs> um, the last question I would love to ask you, as a grown unschooler now, uh, what piece of advice would you like to share with unschooling parents who are just starting out on the journey? This is a, that's a hard question. So, um, <laughs> but of course, uh, let's see. Um, so, Honestly, the best thing that my parents did for me was give me the freedom to make my own decisions, kind of a universal freedom to make my own decisions, you know, within reason. But, um, you know, when it came to what I put in my body, what I spent my time doing, when I slept, I was given the freedom to do all of those things. And it allowed me to make some poor decisions at times and learn from that and, and eventually become the, the healthy person that I am now who, you know, I really feel like the self-awareness I've gained from that. The fact that I know my body so well, I know my interests so well, I know myself so well. I think that's what it comes from is the, that universal freedom I was given by my parents. So, you know, it's hard to let go, but it helped me so much. It was, you know, it, it's, it, it helped me in so many ways, but I know that letting go is the hardest thing to do as a parent probably. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that piece. And um, I, I love that you threw in there that within reason thing. And and the, I was going to say poor choices, but they, they weren't poor at the time. They were the choices. No, I made poor that choices. Learned. <laughs> I made poor choices. Are you kidding? Is that a good idea? To, is but, it a you good know, idea to drink a gallon of Kool-Aid a day? I don't know. <laughs> But it tasted really good, and then you know I didn't feel so great. And then like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll try more water, and you know. And now at twenty five, I'm drinking nothing but water, and everybody around me's got their diet coke or whatever. And not everybody, but yeah, but the, yeah. you know, the rates of drinking very unhealthy things is way up. And and I got that out of my system and learned what that does to me on my own terms, and. And haven't been able to establish uh, healthy habits for myself. So mm -hmm. just um, just by yeah. I know it's paradoxical, isn't it? It seems like um, yeah. having, having the, the freedom, freedom to drink terrible things. Now I don't want to. So <laughs> and I feel like having it if I had had it restricted from age you know zero all the way up to eighteen or nineteen or whatever when I, I was an adult, mm -hmm. it would be much harder to form healthy habits because I want to be healthy. Um, because the, the only thing stopping me from drinking before would have been this restriction. Well, if you're, if you're avoiding something because of restriction, then it's not for yourself. Um, you have to learn to do something like that for yourself. Um, and, and that's what I was able to do from a very young age. Now, and the, the within reason, of course, I'm not saying you've got a five-year-old kid and you have sugar, sugary snacks laying all over the house and they're eating nothing but that. And, I mean, there's, 
There's common sense stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the within reason bit is, is the conversations that unschooling parents see. Conversations, yes. You know, sometimes when Mm -hmm. parents, new to unschooling parents here, give our kids freedom, they disconnect. They think of it as, okay, just leave them alone to make their choices. And no, the, the reason, within reason part is it, but it's within the child's reason, but it's, it's having conversations with them. It's helping them process those choices. Oh, gee, you know, what happened after that? Oh, maybe, maybe that stomach ache is related to all that Kool-Aid or, you know, just helping them learn from it, not leaving them to try and figure it all out in the dark. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is, uh, you, you brought it up, but the, the other thing I would have said if I, if I thought of it myself first was, is definitely the communication. Um, unschooling is not unparenting. They're unrelated. There's no connection between the two. And um, my parents also always communicated to me and wanted to make sure I knew that, yes, those unhealthy things I was doing were unhealthy and they wanted to make sure I knew that while I was doing it. But I still had the choice. And that's what allowed me to choose not to do that anymore for myself so well yeah because you know when someone's telling you when they take away that agency when they take away that choice then then your choices aren't about you anymore you know what I mean like um you know if if they were judgmental in you know they were sharing information about oh you might not be feeling well because of x choice right but if you could tell through their tone that they were trying to control you, your choice would be more in reaction to their kind of judgment than would be to you actually learning, gaining that self-awareness yep. and making that choice for yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. A piece of it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Alec. I had so much fun and it was great to catch up and hear what you are up to. <laughs> Glad you're having fun. Yes, I am having fun, and it'll be crazy, but it'll be fun. Exactly. Thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I had, a, I had a great time. Oh, that's wonderful! And before we go, um, where's the best people place for people to connect with you online, if they can? Um. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely cool with that. Um, they can find me on on Facebook um, under Alec Trosset. It's just uh, my my regular first name and last name. Um, and I should be the only Alec Trossett on Facebook still, I think. I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the only, you know, I'm one of very few Trossetts in America, period. So uh, kind of a weird last name. Um, but uh, I, also, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to send me an email, uh, I, can, I can give my email out as well. That's um, alectross at yahoo.com. So that's A-L-E-C-T-R-A-A-S at yahoo.com. And there were... There were two A's in that second part, T-R-A-A-S. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so, so much. <laughs> That's wonderful. Right. Thanks, and have a great day, Alec. All right. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also enjoy the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out my book, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide. Inspired by Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey Framework, the book is a weave of myths, contemporary stories, and tales from my own journey. It's not a how-to book. No two paths through the world of unschooling have the same twists and turns. 
Yet, having a general sense of where you are on your journey can bring valuable insight as you navigate the challenges that will inevitably appear. Remember, you are the hero of your story.